The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if someone of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide for the laborer deserves his wage. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. This long weekend in July, we also celebrate the 100th anniversary of the town of Tecumseh. And uh, three of the churches that made up now the town, St. Mary's in Maidstone, the former St. Gregory's in St. Clair Beach, which is now part of Good Shepherd here, and St. Anne's in the old town of Tecumseh, make up very much a faith fabric for the town. And over the past week and a half or so, I've had the privilege of watching the new mural go up on the wall of the Legion on Les Bronx Road across from the rectory at St. Anne's. And it's been quite amazing. The face there is of Colonel Paul Poisson, a parishioner of the parish, the first mayor of the town, and a veteran of the First World War, and also the town's medical doctor. <laughs> he was a pretty busy guy by the sounds of things. Did about just about everything. I think he even taught in the school for a little while. But part of the uh, mural was interesting is it's one person doing this. Durs is his name, and I had the opportunity to speak with him at different occasions. And he has a crayon, a dark kind of uh, pencil, to sketch out the whole mural first by hand. I'm kind of jealous of people like that, of, who are artists who have that big vision in mind, and he just sketched the whole outline of everything and then goes with spray paint cans to fill in the spots. Anytime the paint runs over the lines, wipes it off and directs the whole thing. And the beautiful mural was just unveiled this morning at 10 a.m. as part of a ceremony here in the town. But it's kind of a good image of the church as well. 
Sometimes we think that Jesus didn't establish any sketches or kind of structures or a base for the future development of the church, and that was just came afterwards, the institutional hierarchy. But that's not the case at all. In the gospel today, we have a clear sketch of what the church is all about. Part of its fabric and part of its foundation are sketched out in the gospel today. Jesus, as we know, called 12 apostles to be the first bishops and priests in the church, celebrating the sacraments in memory of him and establishing the churches. But today he sends out 70 others, two by two, disciples to go out and to spread the good news, kind of like the paint to fill out the sketches of the different structures and setup of the church according to the heart of Jesus. So both go hand in hand. The sketches are made to help free us up to build up the church, to live our life of holiness and our calling and to spread the gospel. They're not meant to impede our freedom. It's meant to paint a beautiful picture of who Christ is in the world. The same with the structures that are present in the church too. Now the number 70, obviously, it was not just randomly chosen by Jesus because he had 70 people in the crowd before him or so forth. At the time of Christ, there were 70 known nations of the world. 70 different civilizations known to people. So sending out the 70 symbolically means to the whole universal world known at the time of Christ. Also in the Old Testament, Moses had chosen 70 elders to be part of his delegation and to guide the people of Israel. At the time of Christ, there were 70 members of the Sanhedrin guiding the people in Jerusalem around their worship in the temple. And so that number there very much is something important for the scriptures and for us to realize that it was an intentional part of the structure of the church. But that's not the only sketch we get of the church intended and established by Jesus. Another feature is that he never sends out anybody alone. The disciples are to go out two by two. I think that's something very important. We could sometimes feel a tendency that I can get further ahead with my faith and relationship with God if I just do it alone. I don't need others or the community around me or the church. But we might be able to get somewhere with that, but we won't be able to get too far because Jesus intends for us to be in community together, coming to Mass to worship, receiving the sacraments, celebrating these events in communities of faith. It's been also one of the blessings of becoming a family of parishes, knowing that we're not isolated or alone, we're working together, priests, deacons, lay ministers, staff, people of God, everybody journeying together as one people and one faith and one baptism. Another sketch and feature of the early church here intended and established by Christ is he sends them out like lambs into the midst of wolves. He knows, and we hear in the gospel, that some of the disciples are gonna be rejected. They're not gonna be welcomed. The good news of Christ will not be given and received into every heart all at once. That's gonna take a lot of prayer, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of patience, a lot of love that comes from the heart of Jesus. And he knows them, but he sends them out as lambs to not impose the faith, not to be violent and forcing the faith on others, but to be people of peace. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is a symbol of the peace of Christ, who comes and knocks on the doors of our hearts, but if we remain closed, he continues on his way. He never barges in, never forces himself upon us. The disciples, even when they're rejected from a town, are called to proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near. 
regardless. And this leads us to the last kind of sketch in the gospel of the Church of Christ, and that is we are to be utterly dependent on the Lord for everything. Take no purse, no bag, nor sandals. That life of poverty is a sign pointing us to the radical dependence all of us need to have on Christ in our life. And this perhaps can be the most difficult. Are we ready to stake everything, all that we are, our future, all our, re our reputations, everything that we are as a person, are we able to stake that on the person of Jesus as our Lord and Savior? St. Paul has the answer in our second reading to that question. Yes, we can. He says, may I never boast of anything else except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. By the world here, he means the sinful nature of the world, the world that can sometimes turn inwards on itself and away from God. That has been put to death and a new creation has come about, a new existence, a new world living in Christ. It's as if St. Paul's telling the people of Galatia, who had come to the faith initially, but now are undergoing persecution. And many of them, including their leaders, are leaving the faith. They are now really suffering. They're not seeing prosperity happening. They're not seeing God's blessings in their life. And they're wondering, was it all worth it? Was it really worth it putting our whole lives on the person of Jesus risen from the dead? And St. Paul's writing to them to encourage them to persevere that we don't believe necessarily in a prosperity gospel, that we will grow and get rich and everything will be easy. We believe in a God who enters our human life and our human circumstances at every moment, whether it be times of prosperity, times of suffering, or anywhere in between, or even the ordinary aspects of everyday life. Jesus promises to be there with us. It might be tempting to get insurance elsewhere, as we know today, you can buy anything and people will ask you, do you want a warranty for that? Like a computer printer even. Do you want extended warranty? Do you want some kind of insurance for that along the way? There's even a fellow from Italy, Gennaro Policia, who insured his palate and the tongue of his mouth. He's a coffee taster. And he said he wanted that to be insured too because that's his livelihood, right? And so he insured it for $10 million in 1998, just in case he lost his job as a coffee taster. I think he's Catholic as well, because when he's waiting for the coffee to brew, he calls it purgatory. <laughs> oh, just making sure everybody's still awake there. Very good. <laughs> I think St. Paul, though, leaves us with some great wor words of advice to trust in the power of the cross of Christ, no matter what we're going through in life. And the sketches of the church, as sometimes imperfectly they can be lived out by the human beings who fill those positions of leadership and in different ways of living out the faith in everyday life, we know that nonetheless it's Christ that we fall upon. When the disciples came back joyful after their mission, even though they were rejected sometimes, they said, even the demons submit to your name, Lord. The name of Jesus has power over all evil. But Jesus says, don't even rejoice at this, as great and awesome as it is, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven, which is biblical language for saying rejoice in the fact that God knows you and loves you and has a plan for you. I think that's a great message to start off our summer and to sketch out what God has in store to fulfill the picture of his work in our lives too.